Welcome back to the fourth and final segment of Go Gaddis Real Estate Radio right here on AM 920 Atlanta's own The Answer. In this segment in our neighborhood spotlight, Trilogy Park in Hushton, if you live anywhere in North East Atlanta, you've probably heard of Hushton and you've probably heard of Trilogy Park. It's a good size uh, development in the uh, area. In fact, there's about 300, a little under 400 homes in that area. Also, in the last several months, I don't even remember when it is, uh, we did a little segment on Corian versus granite countertops, and uh, I basically said that that Corian countertops were not in favor. It's not what people were looking for. Uh, what they wanted was granite, which I still believe is true. But I have some pushback, and I had a listener who took the time, who actually was not a listener but a viewer on YouTube, who took the time to write about the positives about Corian. And so I decided to include that as a segment in the fourth segment of this show. Don't forget, we want to connect with you. We want to visit with you. Go to gogaddisradio.com. You can ask questions, make comments. You can push back, share ideas. You can request your neighborhood be featured in our neighborhood spotlight. And um, you can also subscribe to our podcast. We're available on all major podcasting platforms, and we would love for you to be a subscriber. This week in our neighborhood spotlight, and each week we pick one specific Metro Atlanta neighborhood to kind of review what's happened pricing-wise and market-wise in that neighborhood over the last three years to help you understand as an owner of a home in that neighborhood, what particular advantage might you have in terms of selling a home. And this week it's Trilogy Park. If you are going north on I-85, you go to exit 120, you'll turn right and then left onto Highway 124. That's Brazelton Highway. You'll go four miles and the neighborhood will be on the left. It is a great location. Lots of development in that area. I mean, tons of development in that area, Brazelton Highway. In 2018, there were 23 homes that sold in the neighborhood. They took 48 days to sell. The average sales price was 367000 In 2019, there were 30 homes that sold, seven more than the prior year. They took 67 days to sell, so that's longer than the prior year. The average sales price was $366,600, ranged from a low of two seventy dollars to a high of four nineteen. dollars Sales price to list price ratio was 98.9%, which means homes sellers had to discount the home the price of the home 1.1% in order to come to an agreement with the buyer. In 2020, there were 26 homes sold, took an average of 34 days, so four less homes sold than the prior year significantly less days, half as many days in 2020 as in 2019. The average sales price went from 357 to 366, so went up a total of $8,000 year over year, went from a low of uh, 270,000 up to a excuse me, a low of 270 up to a high of 419. I think I gave you 2018 number just a minute ago when I said 318 to 405. In 2020, uh, excuse me, I was on 2020. I'm getting myself confused here, and I apologize for that, Atlanta. In 2020, 26 homes sold, 34 days. Average sales price, 390000 Now I'm getting it right, which is a $25,000 increase over the 366 from the prior year. Low of 320 to a high of 452. List price to sales price ratio, 99.8%, which means sellers discounted their home 0.2%. In order to get a buyer to go under contract with them year to date in 2021, there have been 21 closings. They've taken, listen to this, 13 days. So it went from 67 days to sell a home in 2019 down to 13 days. 
in 2021, the average sales price 457,000, which is an increase of 67,000 over the average sales price in 2020. That's a low of 342,000 up to a high of 541,000. List price to sales price ratio in 2021 was 102.4%, which means sellers sold their home on average for 2.4% more than the home was listed for. Currently, there are two homes active and available for sale in the neighborhood. Average list price is 511000 If those sell, they range from a low of five hundred two to a high of five twenty. There is one month's worth of inventory, which means based on the number of sales that have happened year-to-date this year or in the prior 12 months, prior 365 days, have been 24 closings. It would take one month to sell those two listings, if that makes sense. A lot of times... People get confused by the months of inventory, and they don't even understand why we're using those numbers. And the reality is we are trying to help you understand as a seller or as a buyer how you might have a particular advantage. If you have less than four months' worth of inventory, it is a seller's market. The lower the number of months, the more screaming the seller's market is. Because if you only have one month worth of inventory, if you have 10 people looking to buy a home in the area or looking to buy a home in the neighborhood, you only have two homes. You can see how homes would increase in value if that dynamic was in place in the market. If you have four and five months worth of inventory, we say that as a balanced market. If you have more than five months worth of inventory, we say that as a buyer's market. Now, if you read publications, national publications, where they are quoting economists, they say six months' worth of inventory in real estate is a balanced market. And that probably was true six or eight years ago. It is not true today. If you put a home on the market as a homeowner and half of the listings take more than 90 days to sell, trust me, that half, those people are not happy and they do not feel like it is a seller's market. They would probably feel like it is a buyer's market. 370 homes in the neighborhood, the low price set during the last recession, 235913 Prices today, 457143 which means homeowner equity for those 370 homeowners has increased just a little under $82 million. That is amazing. Elementary school is Duncan Creek. Middle school is Osborne, and Mill Creek is the high school. Mill Creek gets a school chimp score of 88. If you are looking to buy a home or sell a home or you just want to know more about your school district and how that school, that high school district affects real estate values, you need a school chimp report. How do you get one? Go to gogaddisradio.com, G-O-G-A-D-D-I-S, radio.com. Click on school chimp. Put in a little information, and you can either compare your high school or a high school to all other high schools, the average of all other high schools in Metro Atlanta, or you can compare one high school to a, another specific high school. It gives you a ranking of the school on a score from 20, on a range from 40, excuse me, up to 100. Something in the 90s is an A, in the 80s is a B, uh, in the 70s is a C. You can see how it works from there. But it also gives you lots of demographic and other information about that school district, including the average age of a home in the area, the average size of a home that sells, uh, the average educational attainment of parents, the average household income, uh, average sales prices for the last four or five years, uh, total market for sales, days on the market, all of that. It gives you such good information, and if you get a couple of these, you can very clearly see how a school district influences the stability and the pricing in that market. So go to SchoolChimp, go to gogaddisradio.com, click on SchoolChimp, and order your SchoolChimp report. Also, if you're searching for homes and you're not finding what you're looking for, you could be using the wrong site. 
you should consider using suremls.com. That's S-U-R-E-M-L-S.com. Why would that make a difference? Well, because suremls.com pulls listings from both listing services here in Metro Atlanta, not just one. And most agent and brokerage websites pull listings from just one website because they don't want duplicates of listings on their website because it's confusing to consumers. We have decided that if you have to look at a duplicate of a few listings along the way in order to find that one jewel, that one that just has one listing out there in the listing service, that it is worth it. So go to suremls.com, S-U-R-E-M-L-S.com, and um, um, uh, do your searching for your homes for sale. You might be the only one at at the table to buy your home. Several months back, I did a segment talking about Corian versus Granite Countertops, And I have a listener who was disappointed in me. He says very specifically, I was disappointed to watch your segment. He was looking at it on YouTube on Corian versus Granite and feel that Corian was getting a bad rap on your show. Hey, I will give you that. Um, From a real estate perspective, my my view on Corian is negative, but it has nothing to do with the, the usability and the benefit of the product. It has to do with the fact that I see buyers refuse to buy homes that have Corian countertops and instead choose to buy homes with granite countertops, and I see it all the time. So, I'm just going to give you a couple little tidbits that this person uh, wrote in. I don't have this person's name. I have a username, but I don't have this person's name. It says, Corian is getting a bad rap, an undeserved rap, basically, in my review, in my video. For 30 years, his white Corian kitchen countertops have been pleasant, bright surfaces on which to work. The material allows for invisible seams, and that is true. You'll have seams in granite countertops, but you will not have seams in Corian countertops. Corian is a, a plastic that is molded uh, in the shape of a countertop and designed to look like granite. He says the entire surface is clean and smooth. He said the Corian appears to be a thick slab with a bull nose, but he says that illusion is possible because of the seaming capabilities of the material and the skill of the installers. So the actual thickness of the countertop is not what it appears to be on the end. Uh, he talked about a matte patina on them, which looked good, so kind of a matte finish. He says that they always use cutting boards, and when they cut out the area for his sink, that they actually kept a couple pieces of that to use as cutting boards. Um, I thought that was a real cool, cool, uh, a cool thing. So he likes, believe it or not, the sound of Corian when it's knocked on. He says, when you knock on it, it makes a sound more like wood. When you knock on granite, it makes a sound like you are knocking on a stone. He says, obviously, the hardness itself is an issue. Glassware and ceramics dependably survive being knocked over on our Corian countertop, meaning I drop stuff on my granite countertop, it breaks, and it breaks fast. Um, I think that's interesting. He can use dish detergent, a bleach solution, baking soda, Windex, or barkeeper's helper is needed to clean it. You have to be careful with what you clean granite countertops with. We had granite countertops in the past and decided Windex was the best cleaning solution, and it just took all the finish off the countertops over a while, and we had to have them uh, f- have to have them refinished. He also says he cleans with mi- microfiber cloths and sponges with scrubbies. Um, the reality is this particular gentleman thinks Corian is a great material for kitchen countertops, and I would agree. People who have cor- Corian kitchen countertops tend to love them. The reality is is those who have Corian countertops tend to have to replace them because when you sell a home, 
you're selling and you're attracting buyers by what they want and not necessarily what you want. But thank you so much for writing in and giving us comments on Corian countertops. We are at the end of this week's show, but we'll be back next Saturday at 9 a.m. We'll talk to you then, Atlanta. Take care.